Yo, welcome into part two with our brother Jason. Let's get right into it as we talk Masters Rewind. Now, last Sunday would have been um, Masters Sunday. Uh, obviously missed out on that, and we talked uh, earlier about with uh, Masters moving to November. But uh, CBS did a pretty awesome thing um, with Masters Sunday and, 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 in, and in a way essentially tried to treat it just like it was Masters Sunday. Um, played, uh, played the rewind of Phil's win in 04 and then uh, Tiger's, Tiger's win last year and, and brought those guys on and had an opportunity to, to talk with them and add some insight, um, interview them as far as uh, you know, where they're at and how that impact their career now. And uh, I know both of you guys had an opportunity to sit down and watch that on Sunday. And it was, it was a, a really neat um, really neat experience. Um, really cool to kind of get those guys' um, insight behind there. Um, but, I mean, it, it added the two things that, you know, obviously us and everybody loves. It's just great golf and great stories. Yeah, I think that uh, that show was, I mean, to go back and, you know, just being a year ago, you forget about things that happened and you forget about how things kind of played out. And, uh, you know, when Tiger did take the lead and the sh- couple of the shots that he hit and, uh, you know, you forget about how many of the world's best players were in position at some point to potentially, you know, they had one one arm in the green jacket and weren't able to seal the deal. I mean, I, I, I look back at it and I watched it and I forgot that, you know, Patrick Cantley had the lead with how many holes to play and Xander Shoffley was right there with how many holes to play. And, you know, you had DJ Birdie and how many of his last holes and you had these guys that were making, uh, you know, runs at the top and, uh, Tiger, I think, just, you know, he did his thing. He kind of plugged along and uh, continued to make good swings and continued to put together good holes and then made a few birdies coming in and just kind of got the separation he needed to finish that thing off. I, I just forgot about, you know, you don't forget about who won or, you know, uh, where you were at when he won, but how everything played out. It just kind of reminded you, gosh, you know, he had to overcome a lot of things to, to obviously get back to where he was at. I think it's pretty easy for us too, because it was pretty apparent when when we picked our foursome that Tiger Woods is at the top of our golf list. To not want to sit there and watch that and have a pretty good time with it, because that is the guy that we grew up watching. But like Jason said, I I forgot about the Patrick Cantlay part, like how he, I mean, he made eagle, I believe, and and took the lead. Um, there's so many different parts you don't remember, but. Yeah, I was talking to Jason yesterday when we were just kind of talking about when we watched it, but how how insightful Tiger was with everything that was going on and and how he's on 11 and thinking about what the win's going to be like on 12. You know, and we think golfers are so locked in. And I told Jason, I w- I've always been kind of duped by the announcers saying that those guys – they're not thinking about the leaderboard and they're not thinking about all those other things that are going on. And Tiger pretty much said like, we are thinking about everything all the time. Like we're looking at the leaderboards. We are knowing where people are at on the course, what they're doing, what they're making, but then there's still the golf part. And, and obviously if you don't execute what you're trying to do, it doesn't really work out in the end. So that part, just listen to him talk about it. And he's so much more talkative about those types of things than he used to be that it really kind of gave you a, a front row seat in his mind to how you prod through a golf course when you're trying to win 
in a golf tournament and probably the biggest golf tournament in the world. Yeah, I will say, but listening to the two, I mean, obviously Phil's was first and then going into the Tiger, the, the insight and the thought process part of it was the biggest takeaway that I had from the, from the two, just the different. Obviously, we know the personality differences between Phil and Tiger, um, but the way that Tiger was talking um, about the thought process and what he was going through, and you know, he touched on that part. But, you know, talking with his caddy on how he's, you know, who made that putt and he's scanning over the leaderboard and, and trying to figure out, okay, if, the, if he does this, what this scenario and doing all this stuff. And then he's like, okay, one, 156, this is an easy nine iron. And then all of a sudden you shift your focus and, and, you know, you're right in. And it, and it is crazy. And like you said, I think we do kind of get um, lost in that when we're watching uh, it on TV and the announcers are telling us on how locked in and, um these guys are and so it, it was it was super fun to hear uh obviously tiger's perspective on that um you know and talking about uh some of the shots that he hit and what he felt and the scenarios and where he wanted to be i mean even from a fan's perspective i think he talked about as long as he was then four strokes um going into the back nine you know i'm thinking like i'm watching somebody he's got to be within two or one you know but just the confidence that he has that if he's within four going into the last nine holes that he's got a chance to win it so it was awesome to see that insight from a fan's perspective a couple things on that i when phil was getting ready to do his deal he tweeted out a picture about who's going to be you know whatever following along as we talk about the hole by hole or whatever i he tweets out a picture of himself tiger the next day tweets out a picture of his own made up magnolia lane at his house talk about a total boss move right there i mean that's 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 big time stuff i uh, and the other thing you know tiger is his whole i uh, you know his whole personality his whole image over the years was so guarded you know so nobody's going to get into my inner circle nobody's going to know about the ins and outs of everything nobody's going to know about what i'm thinking on the course and you know i think he uh, with everything that's transpired in his life and for him to be able to play the game at the highest level possible again I think he's really uh, you know allowing people insights as to you know what's made him the best in the world and when he did go through that interview like uh, Lee said talking about he was on hole 11 and he hit that iron shot out of the out of the woods and hit it to whatever 25 30 feet that are on hole 11 and you know, he talked about how it got up there and you know, it kind of held against the wind and knew that the wind was going to be pushing from this direction. And he saw that Brooks had dropped on, you know, had hit in the water on the hole in front of him on 12. And, you know, then he talked about how he had a uh, an eight iron and Tony had a nine iron and Frankie had, a, or sorry, he had a nine iron on 12. Uh, and Frankie had a smooth little eight iron and didn't, he hit it good, but obviously didn't hit it, uh, you know, appropriate for the, what the wind was doing and everything and came up a little short and, uh, and then he talked about hole 16. You know, he's, he said I was debating between a seven and an eight, basically. Uh, and he said Tony steps up there and hits a nine iron and uh, hits it to 10, whatever feet it was. And he just said that just proved to me that nine iron was the right club for him on 12 and that he went with an eight and, you know, hit one of the best shots as he, that he's hit and one of the most memorable shots from the tournament uh, last year. So I just think his willingness to talk about the attention to detail, and I think it speaks to, you know, I think it's a good listen for, anybody that wants to get better at the game of the thought process that has to go into hidden shots and, you know, how you have to take into consideration all the different factors that are happening around you and with your shot and uh, everything that's going on. I think we've learned in the last couple of years, how important recall is for really successful people at their craft. I mean, you go back to 
to Sean McVay and they say, you know, what did you run on, on this down and this distance and this game? And he remembers. And, and then they say, LeBron, you know, what did this last eight minutes look like? And he can go possession by possession. And then you, you listen to Tiger say, I watched this shot and I watched that shot and I watched this shot. And, and then they make their decisions based on that. I mean, that's pretty, a pretty cool thing. And, and, you know, that is why they are the best at what they do is because they have that type of mind that can, that can operate in all those different scenarios and then still be able to, to do what they do the best way they can. And I think one of the other things with that was Tiger was talking about how his, his body and just the muscle memory of him just trying to get out of the house and go hit balls and how he's, he knows that he's not playing in the masters, but since it's masters week, like he can't control it. Like he is just starting to focus in and starting to get ready for a major. Um, and so that was, that was really cool. Um, just to see the way in which that those guys obviously prepare and, um, you know, we've t- we've touched on it several times. Just being able to see that behind the curtain a little bit with Tiger is is so enlightening, and being able to understand a little bit more where he's coming from in the preparation uh, for an event like this, and like you said, the recall. It's it's just really neat to be able to get kind of get that uh, behind the curtain look on it, and and like I said, from a from a different perspective, getting getting Phil's take on it, and you know, Phil has always kind of been that gunslinger mentality, but um, just to hear his his take and his little inputs um, during his section too, when he was uh, talking about Jim Nance tried to tried to ask him if he was hitting bomb or he tried to hit a bomb on one, and he's like, "No, that's just that's just a stock cut." And I talked about how he liked the way that, that ball worked right to let him just look like it fell out of the sky, and it, it, I mean, it was really just great. I mean, that's something that uh, fans of any sport, and you can get to some of the best in the world to just give their insight and just to talk the lingo. I mean, it, it, it's irreplaceable in my opinion. Let's jump into a segment we like to play each uh, and every episode here on Two Putt Pod, and that is whose career would you rather have? Uh, we've been going going down the line and uh, taking a look at some people who have very similar careers and trying to uh, find a difference or a, a personality touch or something that we'd like um, between the two golfers. And so today uh, we have two guys that – Again, it's not getting any easier, I don't think, for anybody on here. And so uh, the two golfers that we are taking a look at are going to be Jason Day, um, matched up against Zach Johnson, and uh, our whose career would you rather have? Lee, you're going to start us out. What do, you, what do you got? Yeah, I think, I think the pretty simple answer from a, an Iowa native's perspective is Zach Johnson. And I think if there's anything apparent the last – couple times we've done this is I start to pick people based on who would I rather be not necessarily which career would I rather have and I'm definitely um uh as Brian liked to call me the zero to 60 guy and that makes it pretty difficult for me not to pick Jason Day and we can we can pour through their careers I mean they're pretty similar same amount of wins Zach Johnson has two majors. Jason Day has a major and a players. They've made basically the same amount of money. But I just see a little bit more of myself in Jason Day. And I think about when I went to the U.S. Open, I did follow Zach Johnson around for a while just because, you know, he is an Iowa guy, and I I like rooting for people like that. 
but when I followed Jason Day around, which I did on Friday of the U.S. Open, and now he was playing with Rory that day, which obviously adds to it as well. But there were so many people following that group, and it was it was the best group of the day for sure. And and not saying that Rory didn't have a lot to do with that, but I, I just see a little bit more of myself in Jason Day, and I hope that he can get healthy because that seems to be his problem lately. But he has been number one in the world, and again, I I have a big uh, liking to people that can get towards the top of their game and, and do it that way. And I have to say that I'm a Jason Day guy in this case. Well, you also kind of look like Jason Day, so I don't know if that has anything to do with it. <laughs> Fair enough. I think that uh, you know, I, I was a little surprised at that answer. I mean. I can see it, but a little surprised. Uh, I look at the two, and, you know, in my eyes, uh, you know, like you said, they're very, very close in regards to wins and, you know, money made on tour and uh, things like that. I look at, I think that uh, Jason Day's career has been kind of a what if, you know, what if he didn't get hurt? What if he... Uh, could have continued to play like he was when he won the PGA at Whistling Straits. And, I mean, at that time, he was the best player in the world. Watching him play speed coming down the stretch, those guys were making shot after shot after shot, and Jason Day was incredible. Uh, you know, I, I think the trump card for me is, uh, you know, I Zach Johnson has won the Masters, and he's won, uh, you know, the Open Championship. I. Uh, and the Open Championship at St. Andrews, which is maybe the, you know, most historic golf course in the world. And so I think the trump card for me is uh, you look at the list of people that have won the PGA Championship, and, you know, you have some names on there that people will never remember. And, oh, I forgot that that person won it. And, uh, you know, you look at the, the Masters, and there might be a couple in there, but you look at the open championship and you remember those those names and at most two of the most historic venues when it comes to uh the open championship but then obviously in the united states with the masters so i uh, i think that's a trump card for me and you know obviously a little iowa bias too for zach johnson and you know jason day had all the hype zach johnson had none of the hype and zach johnson has won two majors and jason day's won one so i think i just kind of lean on that trump card with the two majors and i uh, you know, I, I just always view Jason Day as a, you know, I feel like his career should have been better than it is. And so that's why I'm going to lean with uh, ZJ. Perfect. That, uh, that's, a, that's a good one. And I'll, uh, I'll uh, make the decision here um, tonight between the two of us. So we're split decision, which is kind of fun. Um, we kind of joked going into this that we thought we might all be on the same side. But uh it's kind of nice being able to sit in this chair and, and, and make a decision, at least for us, um, in, in which way I would go. Um, as I've stated before, I usually go with the money. Uh, in this case, they're so close. If I did go money, Jason Day is slightly ahead um, as far as money earned on PGA Tour. But um, sticking kind of with the theme that we've been talking about all night here on this podcast is the Masters. And if, if you're going to win the Masters, if you're going to be invited back every year, if you're going to be able to take, take part in that – um sign me up so I'm definitely going Zach Johnson um Masters is is the big wild card for me uh Jason brought up some good points obviously the Open Championship as well 
um you know pga has just been known it's cool that he won at whistling straights um that part of it is really cool for jason day but uh the pga is the is the four of four uh, on the masters list and so it is the one that uh can be tough but uh yeah as i look at this and uh sticking with themes as well i mean obviously it would have been uh 15 pga and 16 players for jason day and so lee just lee just loves the the guys that can just come on and just blow up and just get real hot for a while and, and, and really just ride that wave as long as he can. Who cares if he gets bucked off? No, I'm, I'm definitely, I'm definitely on that train. I think that's very apparent when I, I pick these people and I can't, I can't disagree with, with you guys when you say that. I mean, I, I have to pick one or the other and they're so close, but again, Jason day, I, I again, I, I'm not, I don't know if I pick it the right way. I think I pick it, towards who would I rather be, not which career would I rather have. And in this case, I mean, Jason Day was, and just like David Duvall when we talked a couple episodes ago, they can always say that they were the best player in the world at some point. And speaking of that, did what were the, what were the uh, Twitter results on our last week's one with Duffner and uh, Keegan Bradley? Was it even? It was No, it was tight. Uh, Keegan ended up winning. Oh, he did? Yeah. Yeah. So okay. So I'm uh, I'm two. So and I'll up. probably be one for three. I'm two and zero oh so far with the Twitterverse. So I missed that. Uh, I missed that one. That that poll. So I would have gone the Duff Daddy. Ooh, you might have. You would have been against us. Just saying. The big talk last week was Duffner blew a a three shot lead with five holes to go against Keegan Bradley in the 2011 PGA Championship. So Duffner's meltdown gave Keegan his only major championship. Uh-huh. Fair enough. Probably very comparable. Who oh, all they're, they're all comparable. We're not like comparing Tiger Woods and Ben Curtis, who did win <laughs> your Open championship. Just, Rich Beam? Just saying. Rich what about Beam. Rich Beam? Yeah, Y.E. Yang. <laughs> we should have a we need to have one sometime where the worst major winner of all time we pick yeah we could go there we could come up with some good names on that yeah well, remember which one they want i always think of ben curtis when i think of the worst player that's ever won a major i don't know why but that guy always comes to mind i always think that it would have been jean vandeveld if he wouldn't have had the epic collapse and had paul laurie win it yeah, talk about two other bad golfers. <laughs> bad in relative terms. Yeah, oh yeah, we've talk, we, we have made it very apparent on this podcast we're talking in relative terms. <laughs> I'd say you don't want to major if you're a, quote, bad golfer. Very true. No, no. But hey, Jason, we've played uh, several uh, rounds of golf together. And without putting yourself in a bad spot, what's your best memory of, of us playing in a tournament together? Uh, well, a lot of rounds of golf have been played, we'll say that. Uh, not all of them with just us three and somebody else in the foursome, uh, but all on the same course at the same time within a couple of holes of each other. Uh, I don't know if it's my best memory or the one that sticks out in my mind the most, but I remember a cart being put in a pond at one point during a uh, during an outing that we had to pull out of the pond and we lost some keys and some golf clubs and 
uh, some others close all the you know all the above uh, lost in a pond that was not jason putting that in the the pond let me were you in the card at all i was not i was a witness uh and actually a witness that just saw the card in the pond uh and didn't actually see what exactly happened to get it there but was also one of the people that had to help pull it out so I guess I was uh, an accomplice in that, I guess, if that's the way you consider it. But didn't see what happened, but definitely saw one of my friends swim out of underneath of that card uh, that was in the pond. So, Were you in our foursome? Were you with Bergman on that one? Yeah, it was me and Scott Bergman riding together and uh, you and Nate riding yeah, together. Yeah, let me explain a little bit on on how this all happens because here's the deal with with that uh, that outing as well. I mean, we were easily the most sober foursome out there on that course too. That's the, that's the crazy thing about this. Um, and we were coming around um, in old Big Schmitty. He seems to make it on every pod here, but Big Schmitty, he's, he's famous. He he's gonna be. He might not might not know what a podcast is but he's gonna be famous <laughs> but so big schmitty's driving and those of you that know uh big schmitty the reason why we call him big schmitty is because he's big so he's he's six seven and he's taking this snake turn um going from one green to the next tee and he's got a golf ball in one hand he's got his golf glove he's got his knees up on the on the deal and he's going just way too fast i mean it wasn't something that uh um, you know, was really think anything more than that, but he goes one way, comes back the other, and his knee gets in the way and can't quite make the turn. And we get on the side, and and uh, yeah, before we knew it, we were sideways in this pond, and I was literally swimming up. Um, from I was on the passenger side, so I came swimming up, hit the roof of the cart, and Nate's standing there holding this cart from going all the way into the pond, and I'm unhooking clubs and throwing clubs up on land, and there, I mean, it just an absolute shit show uh to every degree and um felt felt pretty good at the end of it we kept the cart from going in we i think we only lost maybe a pitching wedge or a nine iron of nates um so we felt good um got to the clubhouse and came up with some story about how a deer got in the way and we dipped the front corner in the pond i don't remember exactly on how that all went and then started to yeah self-assess a little bit more and and, and found out that my car keys uh definitely made its way into the pond and those were those were lost and turned into a complete disaster but that uh that was definitely a story that uh will will outlive any of us that's for sure well i'll say this i just remember i uh, i was the last one to hit so obviously i must have had a rough hole the hole before uh but i remember i hit and before i could even uh grab my tee it was a it was a par three uh before i could even you know turned to go to the cart you guys were off and on the road and heading down the sidewalk and I got my car my club in my in my bag and I uh, next thing I know I looked and I'm like I don't see where the other cart is I don't understand what's going on here and then we kind of pulled up next and uh, I remember getting handed a golf bag that weighed about 150 pounds because it was filled with water and uh, everything and I remember helping pull the cart out it was a little more than just the front tire edge dipped in there uh and so i uh, and then i remember helping push that thing back up to the clubhouse up the 18th fairway and i uh, and they just happened to ask me if i had any clothes extra clothes on me and the distinctive thing that'll stick out in my mind was he said 
well, do you have an extra pair of pants? And I'm like, well, no, but I have a, a shirt that you can wear. He's like, well, my shirt's not really that wet. And he had his, this a distinct line straight across his chest where he was standing in about, uh, about peck high water. Uh, and so he had a pretty distinctive line. I'm like, oh, really? Your, your shirt's not wet at all? And he kind of looked down and <laughs> gave me that look. So, uh, yeah, that was an interesting one. So I, I would say that's probably the most memorable just because uh, of the scenario and the situation. The other, th the other fact that uh, the other three groups that were playing were about four or five holes behind us. I mean, there was no one within a, an earshot of us uh, there as we were on the 17th hole. So, uh, and it was cold. And it was cold. Like, it was early spring. Like, I remember I was the stocking cap. I mean, it, it, this wasn't like, hey, it was pretty refreshing. Like, it was downright cold. I mean, it was yeah. early April, I think, that we were out there playing. And, yeah, it was it, – it was not fun. It was not uh, not how we anticipated uh, wrapping up that round, but uh, definitely a good story here several years later. So I think with with Brian, that would be the most memorable one. Uh, with Lee, I remember playing uh, at Prairie Lynx Golf Course, and he was still in college, and he came about two inches from hitting a hole-in-one, and it was about 7.30 at night, and we made the decision to uh, – we felt good. We decided we were going to drive to the casino in Minneapolis or Mystic Lake and uh, see how it went. You know, he's like, I, I almost had a hole in one, I think was his direct quote. So he's like, I feel lucky. So he wasn't 21 at the time. So we had to go to Minnesota to play. I uh, go to the casino and we made a good little trip up there. And I think we both did fairly well. And we were back home about five o'clock in the morning. You can't be at a good casino story at the end of a, <laughs> of a golf night. I don't, I don't care who you are. You can't do it. I tell you what, we've had uh, a lot um, of opportunities to play together um, just in general, um, bachelor parties, uh, weddings. I mean, a lot of just really great outings. Um, one of the things that's uh, for, for the three of us that we've done, um, I'd say a good job of, of finding ways to make work is uh, the Warburg booster outing and, um, the three of us are usually a, a pretty consistent staples in that and, and, and not only played, but won that several times. And, uh, it's always fun to go back and, and, and take part in that event as well. Yeah, it's a good time. Obviously a great time. And big Schmidt is usually the fourth one that's, uh, that had been with us. And, uh, you know, obviously a good time that we can get on the links together again and play some holes and, play best shot so I can lead off from the tee and putt last and uh, really, you know, have a good time together again. And I think that uh, I got to keep you guys in line is what it ultimately comes down to when it's the Warper Booster Club outing. So all we ever hear about when we go back to that is all your coaching buddies telling you how good of a recruiter you are. If you're good at something, you got, you got to keep doing it, right? Even tendency, Brian. <laughs> I don't know about good recruiter, but at least they're there for having a good time. So, no, we usually end up uh, uh, playing pretty well when we go back, um, get an opportunity to play together, which is always good. Of course, that we know well. And um, what was it? It's been several years now, but uh, what year was that when we went back and we got all, we got 17 threes and then on 18 got R4. That's probably about three or four years ago now that we did that. There was, yeah, I think we started off with 17 straight threes and finished with the four. 
that means we played the par threes really well and everything else so so right <laughs> well yeah i i wasn't yeah, hitting it close enough i wasn't hitting it close enough and you guys weren't making any putts we still sneak out a win in that one did we win or did we get second on that one i think we got second that year because were we playing with domino and those guys that year yeah, I don't remember if that was the year or not, but we did definitely play with those guys one year. We played with Oakland and those guys one year and hammered them. Yep. Absolutely hammered those guys. I mean, we're usually – I mean, it's usually 17 – what, 17, 18 under to win that? Yeah, it's actually here last year. I think it was a little bit lower than that. There was a, It was a really nice day, and I think there was a team that shot 20 or 21 under. Which is Pretty crazy. Impressive. Pretty impressive. It is. I mean, obviously Prairie Lynx. Um, it, it comes down to weather. Uh, it's been a couple of years since I've had a chance to get back to it, but uh, greens were really soft, and so I, I can't remember. I mean, I know we won it, I think, the last two times that I was back, and um, the course just played well, but you get out there, obviously, on a windy day and dry and ball hit and roll goes all over the place. It, it just totally depends. Um like I said, the tournament's always the same time, the uh, first Thursday in August. And so, uh, of course, it's usually in prime shape and weather's usually pretty good. And, and uh, we, we've definitely found a way to take advantage. If we can make some putts, we're usually pretty good. And it's such a fun day. I mean, besides the part that we're there to, to help support Warburg Athletics, which I know that that's all really important to us and that's why we do it. But at the same time, we're there to win. A golf tournament. Why would you show up if you were there to win it, right? Exactly. You know, we so we've had an opportunity. Obviously, the big summer would have been um, the year that all three all three of us got married, um, which was would be a year that goes down in the in the record books. I mean, when you think about um, uh, bachelor party, wedding, bachelor party, wedding, bachelor party, wedding, and we just had a ton of fun. Opportunity for all of us and and the rest of our boys to get together and we played a lot of golf and, and played, uh, played some, some really fun places. Um, we were out, out in the quad cities. What was, what was in it? Was it Fry Lake or where did we play for years? Jason? Fire. Wasn't it fire? fire. Lake? Yep. It's F Y R E fire Lake in Sherrard, Illinois. That was a fun that, track from what I remember of it. Yeah. It was yeah, a big good course. He made two on the first hole. That's right. He holed out from one like, back in for two. And then we didn't hear about it the rest of the day, did we? Yeah, he was terrible after that. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, there's there's some good courses that we played, some fun courses, some courses that you can score on, some courses that you can have a good time on, some courses that some of us hadn't played before, too. And in my bachelor party's defense, just one you tried to survive on. (laughs) Absolutely. So hot and just miserable. I could not hold on to a golf club the last about six holes. And it was cart path only. And we got to go to the Miller High Life Lounge, though, so that's all even at the end of the day. They have a good burger basket. They do. The best. Speaking of surviving, um, Staggy's bachelor party. Survived. We had had a chance to uh, play out east. Uh, we played at Copper Creek for your bachelor party, correct? That is correct. And uh, had a lot of fun. And I think, again, uh, sticking with themes, we we found our way to the High Life Lounge that night as well. 
Yeah, we did. Burger basket is a big draw. It's it's tough to beat uh, tough to beat uh, burger and tots after a long day. Uh, for four ninety nine for four dollars and ninety nine cents. Affordable and good. I mean, something you can't pass up in a situation like that. So there's my business of the week. Miller yeah. High Life Lounge. Shout out, shout out to High Life for sure. That's <laughs> not the first time it's made its way onto the pod either. But um, Nor will it be the last time. No, that'll definitely come up again. Um, and then one other uh, event that I want to talk a little bit about, I was just thinking about this earlier today, um, was the tea party. Um, and both of you guys had a chance uh, to play in which we did a little bit of a doubleheader. Um, and played at Beaver and then went and played Waveland. Uh, that was a fun day, a fun event, too. We're definitely going to have to get something like that back on the books. It was a fun day. A L- lot of golf. Let's just say I, ca- I think I wore down. I wasn't in physical shape for that uh, that long of a day on the links. So. Jason had a baby golf. the next day. Addie was born the next day. That's very true. We, uh, yeah, I I made a good decision to leave you guys and come back home and see my, see my wife. And actually technically it wasn't the next day, but we did go to the hospital the next day and she was born the next morning uh, on Monday at 1030. So crazy to think that uh, I was playing golf with you yahoos on Friday and Saturday. And then uh, yeah, had, had our first child on Monday morning. Surprise. Seven weeks early. I was gonna say that was not expected. It wasn't like you were. Uh, it wasn't like you were out golfing and uh, you should have been home. I mean, that was something that uh, was a little, a little bit of a surprise for you guys. This was a situation where I was told I could go play golf because we weren't concerned about it, and uh, it wasn't one where I was disobeying or uh, leaving my thirty-five month or thirty-five week uh, pregnant wife or anything like that. Well, that day too. So, uh, like I said, we played Beaver in the morning and we're up against it trying to get then south to Waveland um, because we had them back to back, thought we were going to have enough time. And so, yeah, we played Beaver and then piled, there's eight of us piled in the car and um, headed to Waveland and uh, had a lot of fun at Waveland as well. Um, I I, I don't remember the game. I don't remember the setup, but I do remember, I think – Lee, you you played or teed off with with seven iron the whole time at Waveland and ended up the whole time and hold and held on. I believe our team Schmidt Big Schmitty again being the captain. I think um, uh, held us held on for the victory. Schmitty and I were playing. And I think uh, you and your seven iron turned things around and, and and held on for the win. Well, I I played pretty well at least from a scoring perspective. I think I shot seventy four at at Wayland Lake literally using my driver two or three times. I mean, which I talked about in the whole Fred Funk discussion, that'd probably be good for my golf game if I would just do that uh, more often than not. But that was, uh, that was a pretty good day. He said, I think I shot 74. Like he doesn't know that he shot 74 for a fact. Might have been 73. That, I don't know. He, he, we all know he shot 74 because he'd never forget something like that. So, yeah, 74 with a, without a driver is pretty impressive. I do remember we played about the last five holes in an eightsome or whatever we had. It was dark. It yeah, was dark. it was dark, and we had an eightsome, and we had uh, a lot of golf balls on the green that we couldn't figure out who had to putt first and last. And Not as dark as the time we played Muni in 
Waverly and they kicked us off the course on 17 when Jason made that banger of a putt from like 25 off the green on 17. I, that was awesome. I, I think we all said on hole 17 that we uh, were closest to the pin because we all hit great shots and we go up there and no one's within 25 <laughs> feet. And uh, Yeah, might might have happened to just snake a little one in there for a little deuce and then uh, it was kind of a walk off. I've never been kicked out of a golf course before, but that, that time uh, was my first. It was too dark to be playing golf, we'll say that. Yeah. Yeah, it was way t- – I mean, it was way too dark. And I feel like we had more than eight people, too. I feel like it ended up – I don't – I can't remember. I know we had a bunch of people out there. and uh, Yeah, we hit, uh, We had everybody on 17 hitting, and you couldn't see – that's in. That's in. Everybody <laughs> was in and get up on the green, and uh, there's like four balls on the green. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, that was fun. I mean, we had some – we had some times back uh, at, at the Muni there in Waverly as well and just getting everybody out and obviously a chance uh, to get together and play, uh, whether organized or not. Um, can't be, can't be a good round with you boys. Absolutely. Yeah, that was really fun. Like really, really fun. <laughs> like we need to do it again real soon is what, uh, is basically what this boils down to. But um, with that, uh, one of the things that we like to end our golf segment with is uh, a segment called Only in Golf, in which we kind of take a look at some of the rules of the game or um, some of uh, the lingo or some of the things that come up with, with the great game of golf. And, and we kind of try to talk about ways in which we can connect and, and relate that. And so so tonight, um, one of the rules in which that I found kind of kind of looking around and seeing what was out there, a rule that I had never um, known or was aware of, is actually um, if you hit someone um, with your shot, you can actually replay that shot without a penalty. Well, I'm going to aim. I'm going to aim off target big time now that I know that. I had no idea. I mean, this is a total surprise to me. Well, I think this is taken into consideration if we're uh, looking at uh, college golf tournament or if we're talking about playing with our buddies. I think that if our buddies are up by the green and – I'm not in an ideal position. I think I'm probably trying to be a little bit more aggressive with that one going in their direction. But that's, uh, as a as a golf coach, nice to know that rule, potentially, uh, if it were ever to come into play. Well, my question with it then, too, is depending on the circumstances, is how, how much is it going to hurt you and how, how much am I going to benefit by hitting the same shot? I mean, because there's a good chance that, you know, if I bounce it, off your kneecap or something it's going to roll an extra extra 20 yards forward depends on how close to the green you are i guess what's the type of shot you're hitting well have you ever played a one-man best shot before i have not that's one thing that i have never done i, I would be interesting because you always make the second putt right yeah i i've played in a couple of them and i'm i'm pretty good in that uh game because i can just hit five or seven iron off the tee and then just try to rip one after that. But yeah, if I could just aim at somebody and just hit them, if that was possible and then just get another shot, that'd be kind of fun. I just tell my partners to roll up by the green and see if I can plunk one of them. <laughs> well, I wonder how, I wonder how the rule changes when you're not playing again. Yeah. Like if it's, if it's someone in your, uh, in your best shot group, I don't know that you can just go play operation backboard, but uh 
it's it's definitely definitely a rule that jumped out at me and definitely one that I could see at some point um and kind of, maybe kind of surprised I'm sure at some point we ran into a situation where we could have maybe taken advantage of this rule no doubt about that one I put Jason in front of me and let it rip I wouldn't willingly do that but well I'll just tell you to go see what I got coming up on this next shot and then just rip one at you you would never have to know. Wouldn't be the first bad advice you've given me. <laughs> also, also sounds a little bit easier, uh, easier done or easier said than done because I mean the chances too of of actually striking somebody when you start aiming. Uh, we know how we know how that goes, but uh, I guess if you get enough of that uh, um, top golf practice, you might be able to might be able to dial it in. Hey, how about uh, go ahead and make it happen? Hey, how about, uh, speaking of rules, how about this Masters obviously being replayed from a year ago? How about pulling up the old Zach Johnson film on hole 13, getting ready to mm -hmm. tee off, and he takes the half practice swing and doinks it off the uh, little tee marker. Would have hit his, one of the caddies standing directly at a 90-degree angle from him, if not. And yeah, he know interesting to see how they would have played that out. He, go, he doesn't know what to do right away. Go, oh, can I? And then, yeah, it was an intentional hit, and so he could go pick it up and re-tee that thing. Well, that's the old, like, when you don't address a golf ball. I mean, it's the same thing if you were to put your driver up to a golf ball before you're going to hit it and you tap it off. I mean, that doesn't count as one. Right. But it's pretty easy to tell somebody it counts as one. Yep, this is a little bit more than a little tap off. That was a half swing. That <laughs> yeah, I agree. A little ricochet effect that ended up uh, two yards in front of him. Maybe he thought he was playing poison or something. Well, he would have had a tough second one then because he was right in between bowls, so he needed to do better. Yeah, but that was a he, – he'd already hit one to start, so he was good to go. True, he was up again. Well, perfect. Hey, Jason, uh, we appreciate you taking some time out of your busy schedule that you've got going on right now during this quarantine. and uh, Daddy daycare. <laughs> take it, take it taking some time away that's why we had to record this late at night because I, I know that uh you're, you're you're busy doing daddy daycare during the day yeah it's, uh, it's a nice little way to get away obviously you catch up on some old memories and uh talk about the game we all love and uh, like i said share some good stories and have some opinions which we all know we're uh, all privy to our own opinions and pretty uh strong with our own opinions well that's kind of the point of of what we're trying to do is just a it's a nice getaway for us to to be able to talk about those things and and do things and talk about things that you know it probably wouldn't make much sense if we were talking to our wife or kids about so this has been pretty fun for us it's been a blast really enjoyed it well and hopefully uh here before too long we'll be able to get back out there and uh have an opportunity to create a few more memories and uh, get the sticks back out and then uh, opportunity uh to play again with everybody and um you know really enjoy our time on the course and until then until that happens obviously we'll continue to, uh, to show up here and record these podcasts for you guys until uh you're still hanging on and listening this long we really appreciate it uh one of the things in which that you can do that would help us out a ton is just jump in and drop us a five-star review uh definitely helps uh with everything that we're trying to do here um, keep it coming for you guys. Try to try to keep the stories fun. Keep things moving. Um, you know, opportunity to talk golf. I, I assume that's why you're here, and uh, we appreciate you joining us on the journey.